Teddy Roosevelt Show coming at you Thursday, April 27th. Second podcast in April. We took the month of March off. I do want to let you know the Teddy Roosevelt podcast was launched exactly 304 days ago. Today, episode 49, Tim Wakefield episode. The rejuvenation and reinvention episode, ladies and gentlemen, is what episode 49 is all about. So 304 days divided by 49, still coming at you with one podcast a week. We're going to try and pick it up, but we do have some big announcements. Been up to been up to some uh, behind-the-scenes action. Anyone follow me on Twitter? I am back in action in full effect, by the way. Teddy Roosevelt Show. Mothership is teddyroosevelt.substack.com, but I have been incredibly active on Twitter since I jumped back into the fray. Um, you know, I've got my buddy Lyndon Lowers has 1.2 million views a month. Teddy's hovering around 350,000. So you can follow me at underscore Teddy Roosevelt and a lot of the tweets that, uh, went, went viral or were really high in the analytics. I'm going to underscore on this blockbuster episode, the Tim Wakefield episode. So we're going to get into... Tucker and Fox cutting the cord, RFK Jr. announcing president, Munjaro, um, Clown World activities. Uh, but like I said, this is the reinvention and rejuvenation episode. I have to give a shout out, someone I've given a shout out to before, the the Raries. Uh, Clinton and Christina, you can follow him at Clinton Rary, that's R-A-R-E-Y, and you can follow his lovely wife, Christina, at Dutch Girls Grow on Twitter. So I was at the Rarys when he had the surreal experience of going viral. Um, he did some investigative journalism. This man is a world-class genius did some research on the Federal Election Commission website, public knowledge, public info, anyone could do it, but Clinton is example 1A of how citizen journalism is going to save the day. And that rhymed because it's so true. Just an off-the-cuff impromptu bust a rhyme. Clinton went over to uh, some of these donors who had thousands, uh, hundreds I think it was 500 or thousands went over and knocked on their door. And we don't know if they were laundering money. Um, There's just uh, dozens of micro donations, like a dozen a day, $1, $5, $12. But it piles up when you have 2,500 from the same exact person. A lot of pe- these people were self-employed or unemployed And anyways, he sent that to James O'Keefe, formerly of Project Veritas, um, who they they parted ways. Um, That wasn't a very pleasant thing. So he started his own group, OMG, O'Keefe Media Group. And he James O'Keefe was the one who told people, hey, get out and do this. This is happening. Clinton went and it went viral like. 2.2 million views in 48 hours. He's a loyal viewer. Him and the Raries are of Tim Pool, Tim Cast. And they're sitting there watching as Tim Pool said Clinton's name like eight times. And, And so imagine the surreal moment. You're a citizen journalist. You think you cracked the code. James O'Keefe retweets it. Tim Pool... Hat features it on his show, and then he was on Infowars. Um, so, congratulations to Clinton Rary, who also ran for city council. He saved my ass. I locked my keys in my car not once, but twice in 36 hours. My head was spinning, folks. If you follow me on Twitter at underscore Teddy Roosevelt, I was quixotically considering and was all packed up, ended my lease and was going to go to Chicago. Some of the Gen Xers out there might remember the Saturday Night Live, Bad Idea Jeans, like the parody commercials. This would have been the body bag, body bag jeans, Bad Idea Body Bag, Bad Idea Body Bag. I mean, 
my buddy was just, there was a signing bonus involved. He was going to give me a, you know, give me a signing bonus, give me uh, half of the business to launch a, relaunch a newspaper and website for four neighborhoods in Chicago. Who is this person? Tony, who I mentioned like eight times on the Woody Harrelson episode with one of my best friends in the universe, Charlotte Wilson, out in Phoenix. Shout out to Charlotte if you're listening. So anyways, Tony made me an offer I couldn't refuse. I thought free place to stay, half the business. And I figured Chicago was going downhill so rapidly, this might be the last six-month window to make it happen. So I go, okay, I'll go up there. I'll leave like around Easter weekend, 1,200-mile drive from Austin, Texas to Chicago. Had my playlist already. Brandon Johnson wins the mayor race. That Just reading about that, and it's all in my news feed because I was researching Chicago. And Chicago is a world-class city, folks. It's New York and L.A., which I've lived in New York area, Long Island. Like, could see the World Trade Center from my place. You know, just, do you know, eight miles from Manhattan, maybe 10 or 12. Right outside of Queens and Brooklyn, Long Beach, New York, Roslyn, New York, Garden City, New York, Lindenhurst, New York, shout outs, Massapequa area. So lived in New York, lived in LA for probably about three and a half years, two times, and figured Chicago, I might as well cross it off the list. So you had the Brandon Johnson thing, and they're like, oh, he's going to make Lori Lightfoot look like Rudy Giuliani and New York in the 90s. He's a total full-on communist. And that was reinforced by about a dozen articles. And then things with Tony started getting put on hold. Long story short, I decided not to go Easter Sunday with the advice from the Raries, Christina especially. And then the teens stormed. I think it was that weekend or maybe the next weekend the teen storm the loop. That would have been the first place, seriously, where they storm Millennium Park. There's this huge piece of public art called the Bean. It's a giant silver bean. That would have been that was on the you know top five things. Millennium Park, whatever. It was a beautiful spring week, seventy degree temperatures. I would have said, Tony, it's my first Saturday in Chicago. Let's go down to the Loop. I want to, you know, check this city out. I would have, I could have, could have, should have, would have got curb stomped. I mean, I was joking around on Twitter when I was still thinking about going about buying a bulletproof trench coat or bulletproof um, apparel, which I was blown away with how much, uh, dude, you can, you can really deck yourself out if you want to walk into a firefight. You could like Iron Man it or Doctor Strange or pick your Avenger. You could go in there and you're bulletproof. They're bouncing off you. So you can get trench coats, suits. They don't even know it's bulletproof. So, but it was warm. I didn't have bulletproof shorts or a t-shirt. And, and the bulletproof stuff isn't curb stomp proof. I mean, these teenagers, I'm not sure what color they were, were teenagers of color were just running rampant and surrounding people and take and and stripping them of all their all their valuables. I mean, it was a horrifying thing. This is in like the tourist area. Millennium Park and now they have to have a curfew. It's just not safe in these Soros-backed DA. Woo-woo. I can't whistle right now. My my I'm a little uh I'm a little hoarse. But They say it's a dog whistle. So, oh, what? You can either criticize George Soros and get called an anti-Semite or not criticism. Criticize him. If you don't like the word Soros-backed, we can go with Soros-funded, Soros-financed. But to act like George Soros didn't mastermind this plan to get the most bang for his buck, for his political donations. And remember the one, two donors in the last couple, in the in the 2020 and the 2022 election cycle were George Soros and Sam Bankman Freud. Fraud. Freed. Who, by the way, is sitting at his parents' place in Stanford right now, 
probably watched some Pornhub. And how many people's lives did he did he ruin? How much money did he steal? Straight up fraud. He's out on he's out on you know on bail. So he has the easy easier than Trump. So we'll get into the E. Jean Carroll thing in a second. But I have like ten tangents to tie up right now in the Teddy universe. So the Clinton Rary thing, the reinvention thing, yeah, he went viral for the act blue, it was world-class journalism, world-class investigative, investigative journalism, and it should inspire and show everyone that the legacy mainstream media is just a propaganda arm for big pharma and the government and whoever pays the money. You'll never see a negative story about caffeine or soda because soda gives them a lot of money and beer, alcohol. Gives them a lot of money. Alcohol can kill you. There's no happy ending to alcohol. So anyways, Clinton had another post saying, I love seeing overweight people in the gym. He had put on 100 pounds during COVID, just getting up, playing Call of Duty with his buddies from the military all day. I know several people who did the exact same thing. You don't know if the world's going to end in the beginning, then, and everything's shut down, no one wants to do anything. Everyone was in a weird, bad place. So anyways, he shed all that weight, and now he's putting on muscle, and he just did that. He's getting ready to close on a house, and I can't thank him enough for bailing me out a dozen times in April, including two back-to-back locksmith (laughs) dude teddy locked his i wasn't sure what i was gonna do so anyways i decided i'm gonna stay back in austin for a long time teddy bros about listeners will remember i had the website austin texas times dot com up when i broke the urban alchemy story that was like early late july early august last year bam teddy breaks the story it's the talk of the town, front page of the Statesman within 72, 96 hours by Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday. But Todd and Don were talking about it the next day on KLBJ for sure. So punch that one into the into the atmosphere. Um, screen grab about the Rainy Street Killers. There's so much to get into and I got all these things to tie up. But this is episode 49 of the Teddy Roosevelt Show, the reinvention episode. Tim Wakefield Long-time listeners of Teddy or even short time. I started naming some of the episodes after my favorite or interesting athletes. Just people I think have an inspiring story. Jackie Robinson was a big one. But uh, Tim Wakefield, for those who don't follow baseball, is a famous knuckleball pitcher. This guy is the number three most winning pitcher in Red Sox history after Roger Clemens and Cy Young. Cy Young, the Cy Young Award they give out to the best pitcher. Tim Wakefield made his first All-Star game when he was 42 years old. But let's take it back. Tim Wakefield was a starting first baseman for the Florida State Seminoles. And he hit 22 home runs his senior year. He had 40 home runs which is still the Florida State record. And they had some great players there. Um, still, the, still the record. Tim Wakefield, 40 home runs in his career. So he gets drafted by the Pirates. And a scout tells him after a season, son, you're never even going to get past double A with your skills as a position player. You might as well just give up right now. So Tim Wakefield's like, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to learn how to pitch a knuckleball. So he goes from being a first baseman, drafted for first base. Scout tells him he sucks. He goes back to the drawing board. Bam. Pitches a knuckleball. So for those who don't know, a knuckleball, you know, most pitchers, man, they're throwing near 100 miles an hour this uh, in 2023. They're throwing high 90s every time. 100, that used to be a, a rare occurrence, like maybe a couple relief pitchers. Now it's all the time. They're hitting hundreds. So... Tim Wakefield, uh, knuckleballs, 62 to 66 miles an hour, and there's all kinds of factors. It's just, it flutters. 
But the factors that make it flutter, it could be the wind speed, it could be the humidity, it could be the distance of the sun, the angle of the earth to the sun, the Malakonovich cycle, which I've mentioned on my on my Substack. That's a tough one to pronounce. The sun and the earth, 24 to 21 and a half degrees. You think that makes a difference with climate change? So anyways, that makes a difference on Tim Wakefield's pitches. So they can go all over the place. And then he had a fastball you'd mix in and a, and a curveball, but it was mostly knuckleball. So he comes in and like wins rookie of the year for Pittsburgh. Like he, and he, and just tears it up and they go into the playoffs. He would have been NLCS MVP, except the Braves came back with down by three runs in the bottom of the ninth and they won and went to the World Series. Pirates lost. So Wakefield all of a sudden sucks the next year. And they, they're they like, dude, you're just getting shelled. We're sending you down to double A. Not even triple A. They sent him down to double A. In double A, he is getting crushed too. He's getting crushed so bad that the Pirates just straight up outright release him. He led like double A and like home runs given up. Hits given up and runs given up. Like the three categories you don't want to lead as a pitcher. It looked like he was done. So he was done as a first baseman, reinvented himself as a relief pitcher, then started getting shelled to the point where he couldn't even manage in double A, and the Pirates are like, all right, sorry, you suck now, forever, bye. So anyone in the league could have signed him. Boston Red Sox sign him. Tim Wakefield seeks out the Necro brothers, who are the famous, most famous knuckleball brothers Knuckleball Brothers. That's a great name of a band. I think I might just start a band called Knuckleball Brothers. It's just going to be me. Knuckleball Brothers. So he seeks out the Negroes and they teach him some more knuckle secrets. So the Negroes get Wakefield's groove back so much that Wakefield ends up playing for the Red Sox for 17 years. He's, he, he has the records for most innings pitched in the history of the Boston Red Sox. And this guy is just outstanding. He was nominated for the Roberto Clemente Award eight times. He's an evangelical Christian. He has all kinds of charities from golf tournaments to he's really heavily involved in Garth Brooks's thing. So, yeah, eight times the Red Sox are like, yep, this is the highest character guy on the team. So... So his first season with the Red Sox, they call him up. He goes to uh, he's in AAA, goes two and one in three games with like a two something ERA. Red Sox call him up. They had injuries on the staff. He goes fourteen and one in his first sixteen games with like a one point five six ERA. Fourteen and one in his first sixteen games. So was washed up. Multiple times, and people just said, you're never going to play again. And he reinvented himself again. That's what's weird about our society, is we tell people at 16 or 17, hey, here's the list of majors, not vocational trades or, or what have you. It's business, humanities, STEM, science, technology, and engineering, and math. But... um. You know, you're supposed to decide when you're still finishing, you know, before you finish puberty, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? So you might, I remember it was a huge deal when people switched majors. It was like, oh my God, they switched majors during college. Like, yeah, he switched majors. Like he doesn't know what he's doing. Like, well, maybe they took like eight or 10 classes and they decided they hated it. And they didn't want to spend the rest of their life being, um, I don't know, a finance guy when they really wanted to be a freaking movie screenplay writer, which the odds of that are are low. But you got to follow your heart. So, and the thing is, people change a lot from age 22 to 26 and 26 to 30. 
those four-year periods, you might decide after almost a decade in your career that you're burnout and you hate it and you can't imagine doing it for two more decades and you have to reinvent your life or you could just have some you know, some pivotal moments happen that make you see life in a whole new way. So that's the one thing is you can't be afraid to learn new skills. The moment you learn new skills, stop learning new skills is the moment you become old. And there's a lot of old 30-year-olds who just, whatever they learn, they stop at age 27, 28, 29, when you get into the Gen Xer category like me, oh yeah. So the but the thing is that it's it's the sky is the limit right now if you want to do anything from music to um writing a book to whatever there's no gatekeepers. That's the most important thing to remember. You can't ask for permission. You just have to point yourself out and say, "I'm doing this. I'm just going to make it happen if no one else is going to is going to do it. So that's a huge thing for citizen journalism. If we had a hundred Clinton Rarys in every city, you know, maybe we could turn some of these cities around when they look like garbage. I mean, Portland, they notice how no national media outlet, of course not. They're not doing national exposés. Oh, let's check in on Portland three years after they defunded the police. And legalize basically possession of drugs, anything under like cartel level. Um, you could have dealer level, and you're still not. You're 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 getting a, a a written warning. They're not taking your drugs, and they're saying call this number or we'll fine you. And they're not enforcing the fine. So it's a total disaster. And they, you get what you voted for. I mean, what's going on here in Austin? Girls on the green belt. They just had on Fox 7 Austin just random homeless dudes, almost certainly on meth, just grabbing them from behind, following them, you know, physically assaulting them, sexually assaulting them, like pushing their pelvis up against them. And they call the cops or call 911. And the police don't run 911 as Austin City Council is basically in charge of the staffing for that. And it's a tough job. I mean, it's a really tough job. Imagine for eight hours a day, you're just dealing with like the worst moment of people's lives and they're just in horror or they're just freaking out. And so you just become immune to that. That's got to be rough. So same with the cops. If most people saw what the cops saw in an eight hour shift, they would just go right to the bar. They do something to drown the, what the, what the images in their, in their brain. So instead of having compassion for how the city vilified them and made it feel like post-George Floyd, that it was all the police's fault for everything that had ever went wrong with, with black people, and hey, if we just defund the police, crime will go away, which was the most illogical piece of political legislature, you name it, Austin defunded the police by $150 million bucks. It's literally an inverse proportion, the more... You defunded the police, dollar amount and number of officers, the more inversely crime exploded in your community. And at the end of the day, who's it hurting worse? These crimes aren't happening. Well, now in Chicago, places like Chicago and San Francisco, they're seeping over. We had the Bob Lee thing, which turned out to be a, a tech bro on tech bro murder. Um, but there's other obviously insane things going on in San Francisco with the crime. The smash and grabs, I mean, even REI, that was one of their flagship stores in Portland. Why? Because they have a no-touch policy and the DA is not going to enforce it and camping gear is like up there with drugs as the highest commodity, bicycles, something you could sell. Everyone's looking for a tent. So you can go into REI, you need 50 bucks in fentanyl, bam, you just go in and grab a tent and run out. So it's happening all the time and they're putting a lot of items behind shelves where it's, it's, it's too much of a hassle to even go shop. So there's a ton of problems going on in all these major cities. I got friends living in a bunch of them and 
again, you almost have to go like, seriously, I downloaded the Chicago apps when I was thinking about going there. It is terrifying. You have to go to like, go to ABC Chicago, NBC Chicago. What happens on a daily basis there should be a national news, but they're just so immune to it and they want to hide it. I mean, they all, they did decide to put the DMC national convention, the democratic national convention in Chicago. Couldn't pick a better place. But I seriously, there is a better than 15% chance that I would be, episode 48 would have been the last episode if I moved to Chicago. Either way, after what happened, I didn't move up there to sit in the living room and get worried that I was going to get trampled by a bunch of teens. And the only reason it didn't happen again last weekend is it was cold. It was like 41 degrees, 38 degrees that night. So as it gets warmer, it's going to get bonkers, and I'm so happy I didn't go. Um, Bad idea, freaking bulletproof fest. That's what it would have been, the SNL thing as my body bag. The one thing is it's cold now, so my body bag corpse would have been nice and cold if the morgue was overflowing from all the dead bodies, which it is. Man, you go to Oakland, Portland, Seattle, Philly, Baltimore, each place. It's like a war zone, dude. It's like Somalia. In some of these places with the carjackings, the thefts, the armed robbery, the assaults, it's out of control. You have a combination, you have the two most powerful drugs ever sold on the street, super meth. Remember, this is like meth 3.0 or whatever. They they were calling this super meth. So this is this is like a, a super meth, two hits and you're high for 12 hours for two bucks. I mean, it's literally there is just saying, yeah. What just even in three years, what 20 bucks would get you, you know, like a couple days worth versus a couple weeks worth. So there's never been a drug that powerful that lasts that long. That's that that cheap, but it just eats away at your brain and you don't sleep. So after two weeks, you're already looking like a disaster. And the fentanyl, dude, it's just it's just a mess how they're putting it in everything. Um, you're just seeing a lot of these, <clears throat> speaking of fentanyl, you're, you're, and that's super cheap now too. That's super cheap. They're five bucks for what they call the blueies, the blue fentanyl pills. And then they're lacing all kinds of stuff from Xanax to, I mean, that should be in Singapore. They're killing somebody. They sentenced them to the death penalty for importing 2.2 pounds of marijuana. Could you imagine that? And... Oregon, when I lived there, you could grow 12 plants if you were over the age of 21. And each plant, I would say, averaged 2.2 pounds per plant. Two or three pounds. Every plant. You had 36 pounds. If you just watered them. If you added nutrients, worm casings. I mean, we did everything. Worm casings, all the nutrients, crushed up shrimp shells, some of the stuff just smelled like rotten fish, but the buds that we grew indoor and outdoor were really frosty. So in one part of the world, I could grow 36 pounds of weed in my backyard legally. If you had three people there, you could grow 36 plants of weed in your backyard. In Singapore, you get, you know, killed for 2.2 pounds, bringing it in, not even growing it. It was already dry. So, Texas is finally relaxing. It was sort of timed with Teddy's announcement that he was staying, that they're finally expanding the medical cannabis program, it looks like. Abbott's still got to sign it, and they are decriminalizing less than an ounce. So, it's way overdue. I mean, it's, it's NFL draft day. Speaking of reinvention, Teddy used to host an NFL Draft podcast. NFL Draft Day Countdown podcast. I used to host two football podcasts, even probably before Rogan, maybe the same year Rogan, like 2008. 2008, 2009 time. And the son of a bitch hosting company that we had all the files on one day just went belly up overnight. I'm trying to remember the name of them. They went belly up overnight and they're like, sorry, we don't have access to any of your files. So they wouldn't even let us. I emailed them a million times, begging them, pleading them. Dude, please, we'll send you a drive. We'll send you USBs. 
Can you, we'll buy a cloud account. We'll buy, you know, Dropbox, you've got to give us the files. And he, those, those sons of bitches didn't. And this was back in the day when like the files were huge and the disk space was small. Well, 15 years ago. So anyways, I, th- this year, I mean, in 15 years, I, I was super into football. Then it just got super woke, man. It's like Phil Jackson said, it was like, during the bubble NBA playoffs, it was just like justice, you know, racial justice passes to equity, passes to diversity. It, 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 it just, dude, that's not why you watch sports. It's, it's to get away from all that. It's sort of an escape. And if that's not going to exist anymore, like with the Star Wars, man, whatever the last one was, or maybe the second to last one, it took me like three days I had to pause it like seven times because I was like you gotta be freaking kidding me you gotta be kidding me I gotta go for a walk I gotta go for a walk this is the most ridiculous horseshit I've ever seen so that was the most shocking thing I I I didn't really watch football I've been a lifelong Eagles fan they're doing really good I started paying attention in December I'm watching the playoffs I could hardly even pay attention to the game because I was so shell-shocked by the ads. If you're not watching commercial TV, antenna TV, you know, NBC, ABC, CBS, Fox, and you sit down and watch it and you haven't seen it in like six months, how woke it is, it is a shock to the system. It's almost like the game is secondary. So... Anyways, reinvention episode. Now I don't watch football hardly at all. I I am sort of curious about the NFL draft, but dude, at this time, uh, 15 years ago, I would have had eight beers in my system. And now I've just been going through some drama, automotive drama, car drama is the worst. And I've been watching YouTube videos and trying to fix it myself. Trying to fix it myself. Teddy Roosevelt, being Teddy Roosevelt pays $0.00. I'm trying to change that. Um, so if I didn't mention already, AustinTexasTimes.com is back up. Give me a couple days to get the design down pack, and I'll start getting some content up there. Thomas J. Henry is going to write a big fat check by June. June 1st, that's the goal, baby. TJH. That's It's just a one-paragraph, one-page business plan. It's either going to be Thomas J. Henry presents Austin, Texas Times, or Austin, Texas Times presented by Thomas J. Henry. Get Thomas Henry to sign his name on the dotted line. I'm sure it's a John Hancock times three. He's only five foot four, so I'm sure his signature is huge. And uh, and just and 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 then that's the Jenga piece. So I just got to build the audience that's worthy of TJH's ad dollars, and we're gonna make it happen. Then Teddy can start making some money for being a freaking patriot. So we only did two podcasts in April. There's still time left in April. And I got so much to talk about. Let's do a time check. 33 minutes. Okay, why haven't I been on the Chicago thing? I was getting ready. Then I was uncertain. Then he put it on hold and it was super rainy. My car was acting weird. And I was just stressed, man. I was so out of my... Just head was spinning. Not sure what to do. Car still packed. I locked my keys in my car two times. It was like I was overly conscious of the fact I couldn't lock my keys in the car and I locked them in. So that just gives you an idea. I hadn't done that in, dude, over a decade, locked the keys in the car. So nowadays you just use your phone. I need to get austintexastimes.com where it needs to be, get TJH to write that fat check and I will be back in business with a new Tesla Cybertruck by Christmas. New Tesla Cybertruck by Christmas. So, um, yeah, it's the Teddy Roosevelt multiverse universe is blown up. We had Clinton Rary, longtime friend of the show, super huge uh, American hero, uh, and Christina. Her followers are blowing up since she has the best husband in, in America, maybe, that I've been around lately in 2023 for sure. And... Um, Alex Stringer, got to give a shout out to Alex. He's blown up. Blue Canaries, who's been on here tied with Brad Swale, has just been blown up too. I mean, I cannot recommend her Twitter account enough, at Blue Canaries. She just has some monster massive threads. 
So I'm hoping to get her involved with some of the websites. I have another one, uh, another website, but I'm not going to reveal the name of that one until it's fully up. I don't want you guys to see everything that Teddy has under construction. But I have been doing stuff. Like I got a couple job offers lined up to pay the bills, skills to pay the bills, but I'm trying to do this full time, yo. Um, so what else do we have? The Trump, E. Jean Carroll, I think it's all in her mind. I think she, just the way, some of the things that she stated, and I don't have it in front of me, my iPad died right before, um, but it was something along the lines of, this is for all the women who've never been heard. I think that she is whatever, you know, it, it came out, this is a good segue, the Manchusen syndrome by proxy, and Clinton Rary did introduce me to that term, I didn't know it was in high use, but the number of parents who, like, are hysterical, mentally ill, and, like, they're on antidepressants, and they're on all kinds of mood-altering, from Prozac to Lexapro and everything in between, it's, it's over half of the people who are experiencing, like, who, who want to do, like, the puberty blocker things. I mean, that is at the fact that there's so many other enormous things going on in the universe right now. It's just a clown world psyop. I think what you have is the Overton window. You have a social media bubble where the trans activists are just going down TikTok rabbit holes. And we haven't experienced anything like this technology-wise where you can just be exposed. It can only be 0.3% of the people in Western civilization. But to you, it's a funhouse mirror and it's magnified. This is your community. This, this is your people. It could just be mentally ill guys who want to be around girls. They want to be feminine. Or one of my theories is, you know, trophy generation. Kid, they, you know, all the studies show kids don't want to challenge themselves, take adventure, you know, or try adventure, do, do tough things. They'd rather look at a screen in their room, play video games, talk to people over headset instead of in reality. So I think one of the things that's going on is you have... Just imagine like the first day of baseball tryouts on the East Coast in early March. It was always a cold, like 41 degree day. You have an aluminum bat and the sting on your hands when you're out there for the first time um, in the spring when it's still cold out in Pennsylvania, it sucks. And and you're, you, you want to make contact with the bat. You want to get on a good team. But man, you just got to sort of grin and bear it and suck it up. So if the choice is like video games in a nice warm room or sucking it up, how many emasculated soy men who are built like a Dylan Mulvaney, you know, they're, 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 they're rather effeminate looking. Is it, wouldn't it be easier to just tap out and say, well, I think I'm a girl. I think I'm the wrong gender. Or, you know, if you want to get out of the baseball thing that bad. And then you have the parents. It's the man choosing syndrome by proxy, <clears throat> along with the fact with social media. That's You can't emphasize the social media factor enough. Where the virtue signaling, the photos, um, your brand that you've built. If you want to be the wokest woman on the block, wokest white woman on the block... Having a transgender kid, the only thing better would be adopting a child of color, adopting them, and, and they became trans. That would be the gold, the gold standard. That's what Mike Bonin, the gay L.A. city council person who might be the most despicable, notorious city council guy out there. Him and his white gay husband adopted a black boy so he can th say things like, you're robbing my son of black boy joy. That's like one of his direct quotes that he uses as a gay white guy. So it's like, oh, did you just get this adopt? Yeah, he did, of course. It's his get out of racist free card. And look how woke I am. So I think a lot of it, it's the parents... So the kids are tapping out, they don't want to suck it up, and then the parents are going to go along with it. Like, well, if that's what you say, Billy, we'll give you puberty blockers by the time that you're 12. Like, 
that's the most insane thing to mess with someone's hormones and puberty and the fact that they're not acknowledging, like, I think we need a rule, like, dude, no one gets on the internet until they're, like, 15. (laughs) It's got to be like driving a car. Because you can't watch your kid 24 hours a day on every single screen. Laptop, tablet, phone, friend's house, Discord, video games, you name it. All the shit they're talking. So your kid kid could just one day not want to go hit the ball on the first day of baseball practice. Say maybe I'm a girl. Go down a rabbit hole and it's just the TikTok-ization is reinforcing. Yes, this is a... you know, this is, this is a normal, this is a normal way. So the Bud Light thing is just, dude, (laughs) it's, I I know people who drink Bud Light, that's all they drink. Like 20% of people drink 80% of Bud Light and they just alienated like the 19%. And sometimes it's just the de facto choice. You're at a sporting event. Um, now it's getting a little more sophisticated with the beer selections but a lot of times it's just dude it's bud light you're at the game and you can get a bud light can you know big ass bud light can or miller light like they pay a lot of money to be the exclusive beer so now you have a lot of bars being like dude get it as soon as we drain these kegs they're off the tap because there's so many breweries from microbreweries in the area trying to get in there so you couldn't pick a better way to piss off the demographic of 40 and up, blue collar to middle class, white, truck driving, Kid Rock-esque, you know, Midwestern white guys. Like, they don't want that shit on their can. They don't want that shit on their brand. And that's like such an offensive thing to be shoved down a Bud Light drinker's throat, the little double entendre, (laughs) triple entendre, that... That's a deal breaker. They're not buying that brand again. That's a boycott. That's a lifelong boycott. And you got Yingling. They just moved him to Missouri like nine days after the Dylan Mulvaney thing blew up. So, and Coors lights up. Miller lights up. They're just saying like the month, the 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 year to year sales, but on a week to week basis of those like Bud Lights down twenty percent. I'm just out of curiosity. Even if I don't and I hardly ever buy like a bottled or a canned beverage at a convenience store. But if I, I I always, now I'm just doing a drive-by just to see, just because I'm curious and it's always stacked. And I don't think it's because it's flying off the shelves and they have to keep putting it back. So NPR, it's hilarious. They just announced they got rid of everyone over the last couple of years and now they have four women of color. And they realized, hey, NPR, our audience is too white. So the future of NPR is to bring in all, like, black women. So it's like, well, hold on. It's like what Bud Light did, like, are you going to keep the existing audience, too, who are used to these, like, lifelong NPR people and their voices and everything on Saturday and Sundays and during the their commute? I mean, that's a little jarring to replace four, you know, you have four new hosts in like uh, the span of eight months hosting like, you know, morning edition and everyone knows the the, the famous shows. And they're like, yep, it's all about diversity from here on out. So it's like, well, I don't see a lot of black and Latino people all of a sudden tuning into NPR. And then you could have even the super woke liberals saying, hey, where they're just talking about black issues now, I'm not going to listen. So... Same thing with Bud Light. Like, you can't give the finger to your core audience and and be like, oh, we're going to draw on this demographic that's never been attracted to your product ever before. I mean, you would have to just do a full-on 180. They would just have to be like Bud Gay. They, they should just trade it to Bud Gay. That's another Saturday Night Live. Breaking out the Gen X references, Schmidt's Gay. Saturday Night Live could get never get a hold of that with Chris Farley and oh my god Adam Sandler Schmidt's gay it was like Adam Sandler uh, Chris Farley and David Spade at the pool with like all hot guys Schmidt Schmidt's gay oh so funny so uh, what else do we got the E Jean Carroll thing I think she she she's just out of her mind she made it all up um she's she's whack just look at the interview she did with anderson cooper it's all over twitter just do a search e Jean carol anderson cooper she was like you're quite interesting to talk to 
Like, she seems like somebody who would be a follower of, what was that, Heaven's Gate? Remember, like, in, it was, like, near San Diego where, like, um, they all thought, like, the spaceship and they all, they all like, took poison and they all were, like, in their spacesuits and everything. E. Jean Carroll looks like she was a part of that group before. So, speaking of that, RFK Jr. announcing his candidacy. Do I think he would be a good candidate for president? Not really, because he's an environmental, climate change, crazy person. But he did write The Real Anthony Fauci, which was the best book I read about the COVID scam. I mean, that's must-reading. That should be a sign for every single American, because he's got footnotes for almost 100 pages. Everything is backed up. A lawyer just totally eviscerating the entire career of Anthony Fauci. And I mean... Whatever you think of Anthony Fauci, dial it down to, like, zero on the evil, greedy, despicable character scale. That's how bad he is if you read this book. So that's what I like about RFK. He's anti-Big Pharma, anti-corporation. And I just want to see him debate Biden. I just don't want Biden to have a clear pass. I mean, he just announced his candidacy. I can't believe we could do eight years of this buffoon. What I mean, dude, what are we at? Two and a half years? Not even two and a half? It is not going good at all. I mean, anyone who's been alive for more than four decades, it's not even a rec- the same recognizable place from t- 5, 10, 15, much less 20 years ago is a whole other. 2003? And that was still post 9-11, but it was still... It, it was it was not this insanity. So I really think the Overton window <clears throat> has shifted um, what what these people think is acceptable in normal society as far as like putting on, you know, having a guy dress up as a, 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 a woman and dancing around in front of little kids at the library. I said on Twitter, just imagine if it was female strippers or male strippers, like male strippers uh, protesting that they can't do sexually provocative dances in front of minors on public property. This was the number one headline story in Austin. Like that, and they're like, they're killing trans rights. Like, no, you freaks. Do you understand? There's kids involved. There's grooming involved. There's all kinds of where there's smoke, there's fire type of shit. And it, we don't want it. It doesn't matter if you're heterosexual. And by the way, Elon Musk is totally right. Cisgender is a slur. Don't let anyone call you cisgender. And if it's on any sort of application, just say, I don't identify as this. I'm male, I'm heterosexual, but I sure as fuck am not cisgender. That was a invented by a Berkeley lesbian as like a little sissy. Oh, cisgender. Oh, little sissy boy. Like they're not going to make something that's complimentary to a heterosexual person? Are you kidding me? No, you're a cisgender. Nope, that's a slur. I refuse. That's the C word. I'm calling that. That's the C word for heterosexual people, for straight people. So, it, which Teddy is 100%, and I've had, I've had several awesome gay coworkers, friends. Dude, I don't have anything. What, what you want to do in your house? What you want to do at Oil Can Harry's? It's a the number one gay bar here in Austin. Whatever you want to do at your private residence, you can go ahead and do it. I'm not saying I approve of it, but I approve of your right to do whatever you want to do as long as it's not harming another person. Go crazy, man. So it, it, it is just a, a social media um, phenomenon. That's what it is that's that's made these people think. And then I think it's also the media and I mean, the media is the government. The media is the propaganda wing of the government, and they will not criticize their biggest advertiser, who is by far big pharma. It's one I've got like 10 tangents out there. I think I got to wrap up, but I do have one. It's on my list. It's on my notes thing with Munjaro and AP News just wrote this thing. Oh, my God. This is saving people, Munjaro. You know, before it was always thought that diet, exercise, and willpower were the only ways to to lose weight. Now they say you can take this diabetes drug, which is eight hundred to twelve hundred bucks a month. Let's just say a thousand bucks a month, 
and you got to shoot it into yourself and you're going to lose like literally with Mujaro, it's like 22.5%, like a quarter of your body weight. So what if you if you're 300 pounds, you go to 225. If you're 200 pounds, you could go to 120. Uh, if you're, uh, let's just say, uh, 240 pounds, you go to 160. And this is in like four months. But, dude, you read the label. Number one, in male and female rat rats, Munjaro causes thyroid cancer. That's the number one thing in black bold letters at the top. Munjaro caused thyroid cancer in male and female rats. We haven't done tests on humans yet, though, so we can't tell you whether or not it's going to be safe. Then there's other things like, oh, 0.5% of people got pancreatic cancer or gallbladder cancer. Like, 0.5%? You mean one out of every 200 people who took Munjaro during the trial? And keep in mind, this is the short-term data. So they're only testing them or monitoring them while they're getting Munjaro, and maybe 30, 60, generously 90 days after. There's no long-term effects. Okay, what's happened to this person's stomach in six months? Because guess what happens? With big pharma, it's never, ever a permanent solution. It's never, ever a once-and-done vaccine. It's not a once-and-done hair loss thing. It's, It's, you're taking it for life. So they can they're, they're publicly traded companies, so they can bookmark that revenue. They are about profit. They're the furthest thing from health. If they were, they'd be encouraging us to eat more plants. And their number one best-selling drugs, the most advertised ones, would be the, the healthy one. They'd be putting together elixirs. What the, the number one health company should be people making elixirs of ginger and garlic and horseradish and dandelion roots and, you know, 15 other things. Chamomile, lemon balm, who knows? I've had some of these shots and elixirs and they're superfoods. So American diet, exercise, willpower, they go, nope, that's the thing of the past. That's a fallacy. Even though every single person I've ever talked to, met, from Clinton Rary to me, myself. I mean, I've been in situations, I got run over by a drunk driver, broke both my, had, had a right fibula, a uh, broken right fibula and a left leg contusion. Walking my dog in Tennessee late at night, drunk driver on opioids, still in jail, still in prison. This was like six or seven years ago. And I put on some weight because it hurt just to get out of bed. I had three broken ribs too. And I'm on crutches. So I'm on crutches, have three broken ribs, a broken right fibula, that's the lower one, and a left leg contusion. And I was on the second story of a place and I couldn't manage. And so I had to rent a room at the Red Roof so I could have a first floor access and not have to deal with the stairs because it was too too, too much. So just even getting up to brush my teeth was pain. So I couldn't exercise. You know, Somehow I managed to take my dog to the dog park like twice a week so we wouldn't go crazy. But my dog, Jasper, best dog ever, just went to like therapy dog mode. Like dogs are the best ever and the companionship with humans and they're, they have like a, a whole other sense and, and the things that they pick up on, it never ceases to amaze me. It's a daily source of wonder, just the way they react to things. Dogs are the best. So dude, that, that comes back to the reinvention rejuvenation, man. It was not a, a thought of taking a pill or a shot from from Big Pharma. No way. It was just going to be willpower, grit, determination. It was going to suck. I was depressed. I was in pain. And it was just one foot in front of the other. And I had to you know, do all kinds of little exercises. My feet are all still fucked up and legs from it. But um, I've ran and hiked and done a ton of ton of outdoor stuff and physical activity since then and uh it was willpower diet and nutrition that got me back in action and dude this munjaro i'm telling you it's the big pharma thing as soon as you stop taking it and that's like early studies indicate buried in the lead of the ap thing oh yeah it's 800 it's a thousand bucks a month but as soon as you stop taking it the weight 
comes back and you read stories about people, dude, they are ravenous. Like they're ready to eat two full Thanksgiving dinners for a whole family of six by themselves, two of them. They're like, so you have to, it has to be with diet and nutrition. And and that's what the label says. Hey, this isn't going to work unless you adopt like a long-term diet and nutrition and exercise program. You know, Manjaro is meant to be used in conjunction with exercise and diet. Like, dude, just eliminate Manjaro from the equation. It's $12,000 a year and causes thyroid cancer and a ton of other shit. I mean, literally... It's the scariest label for any drug I've ever read. And I've been on Big Pharma's ass for almost a decade. Written a book about them. So, dude, Manjaro, Ozempic, and Wegovy. Stay away. Tell your friends to stay away. It's the hottest new weight loss thing. It's like, dude, it's going to be a... Imagine what that does to your... Your stomach, the roller coaster weight thing going on the Ozempic or whatever for your wedding. Let's just say how many how many women who are um, overweight or obese are going to go on this for their wedding. And then they say, well, don't take it when you're trying to get pregnant. And then I don't know if you've heard you put on some weight after you're pregnant. And then what are you going to take Munjaro again? For ten, twelve thousand bucks, like who has that kind of money? No health insurance is covering it yet. And uh, what is that going to do to your fucking stomach? Your pant, you know, just just your gallbladder, like, dude, you're injecting after childbirth, whatever. It's a roller coaster that will never, ever, ever stop once you start taking this thing, because you're going to be addicted to the instant gratification of not having to lift a finger or change anything you're doing in order to lose all the weight you've ever wanted to lose. You know, damn the ramifications. I guarantee there's no long-term studies because it's brand new. There's no long-term studies. It's newer than the vaccine. How'd that work out? I wonder what a what the what the life expectancy if you had like five vaccines and and five shots of Munjaro. I mean, you're going to be dead by Memorial Day, I would say. Probably going to be dead by Memorial Day. We are coming up on the 57-minute mark. Oh, my God, this podcast has flown by. What else are we going to do here? Um, the the Austin Rainy Street death is now a... I'll tell you, the Brits are all over this. Daily Mail, The Mirror, The Sun, every UK paper. I think it's the, they are still infatuated with Jack the Ripper. So there's just been a lot of dead bodies turning up in Austin. 30 year guys in their 30s, late 20s, early 30s who were all to bar out of the out of the bar or club or last seen at a food truck in or around Rainy Street and then they end up dead in the lake. It's actually a river, it's dammed. It's Little Colorado River. It's called Town Lake or Ladybird Lake. Used to be Town Lake. Then it got named after LBJ's wife. Anyways, there's dead bodies, like, six in the last seven months and, like, 11 in the last three years. And, dude, they just broke a huge case. It's a criminal. It's a, It was a criminal syndicate, man. It was a criminal gang. They go in because everyone's phone and the keys to your bank account, your cash app, Venmo, PayPal, everything's on your phone. But there's no password. They got to knock your ass out to use your fingerprint or your face. So they're dropping roofies and people's drinks. And then you read on Reddit, man, it's happening to a shit ton of people. Like, that's the thing. Between fentanyl being laced and, like, cocaine and Xanax, and then people putting roofies in your drink? Dude, I mean, if you thought we needed more socialization, like, let's not forget, man, it was, like, the founding fathers, like, they were reading... Common Sense by Thomas Paine in the taverns from Boston to Philadelphia, the Virginias, Carolinas, the original 13 colonies, man. It was the taverns because a lot of people were so illiterate. But they would read Common Sense, Thomas Paine, take a, you know, read a chapter, take a break, have a beer, talk about it, read the next chapter. So I don't know if they took breaks or read it straight through, but I guarantee they drank beer. So speaking of reinvention, I would have been eight beers to the wind, haven't drank, had two days in 2023 where I fell off the wagon. It was stupid. I'm telling you, alcohol, y'all, 
it's, it's, that's the worst poison. That's the worst thing. It never ends well. So the reinvention, rejuvenation, got to give a shout out to Christina Rary, Clint's lovely wife. She has quit drinking and got off the SSRIs. Big Pharma, she hates Big Pharma as much as Teddy does. And is convinced that, and she's just embracing a total, natural, holistic, healthy, farm fresh eggs, chicken, carnivore diet. Like, I can't say enough positive things about the Raries. This one's episode 49, dedicated to Clinton and Christina Rary and Tim Wakefield. So, can't forget my buddy Billy D back in Philly. Billy D! So... What else? I should mention I do want the Eagles to pick Bijan Robinson from Texas tonight at number 10. But I think Howie's going to trade down. Haven't been following it hardly at all, man. The clown world, like Phil Jackson said, diversity to equity passes it over for a three-pointer from inclusion. It's just, dude, I don't want to watch this shit. It's like Star Wars just announced their three movies. It's Jedis of Color, the trilogy. It's Ray, you know, Ray, Daisy Ridley. They brought her back, but they killed off Han Solo. They put Luke stranded on an island, hasn't shaved or taken a shower in a decade, and he's just bitter and angry at the universe and doesn't want to talk to anybody. So all the white guys are eliminated, and they brought in Jedis of Color. Two new Jedis of Color, and one of them is called Kamala Khan, or that might be the Marvel thing. That's the other thing. Marvel, they got rid of everyone, brought in a black guy to be the new Thanos, and then he's been accused of domestically assaulting uh, his date, and then a bunch of other women came out. So great job, Marvel, on the diversity, equity, and inclusion stuff. And you just see Biden's administration, man, this DEI, the non-merit-based thing. We're going to get your popcorn ready, folks, because the one thing you can say about living on Clown Planet, it is never dull. It is never dull. Every night, when I, if I haven't seen the news all day, you know, maybe just scan my phone at lunch or something and I have to lift the lid to my laptop or the iPad cover or whatever, I'm like, do I want to take a peek into this world and see what the hell everyone's fired up about? But that's what I think, man. The media wants you to be fired up about this trans stuff. It's out of control. We just got to tell them, shut your ass up and stay out of the library and stay away from kids. You're freaks. And like I was going to say with Christina, the SSRIs, I cannot agree with that enough. And there is a fantastic Substack. Uh, it's by the Midwestern Doctor um, on Substack. The Forgotten Side of Medicine is the name of Substack. He has a Substack laid out with irrefutable proof. Irrefutable proof that Prozac is like the most dangerous drug that was ever introduced back in 1998. Ever, ever like agitated, violent attacks, randomly just, you know, you're, you're just disillusioned. Reality is distorted. It's just a bad, bad news for your brain. So he just shows, man, the SSRIs, how many of these trans people are taking some sort of big pharma mental medication that fucks with your serotonin and right there, dude, and, and your hormones. And then you're on gender reassignment surgery when your bodies, I mean, think of that tug and pull double or triple entendre again zing think about that when when your body's still trying to create male hormones but you're taking synthetic artificial laboratory made female estrogen or vice versa your your body's trying to create um you know trying to have a period and you're trying to grow breasts like female pubic development 101 and you're taking testosterone to stop all that so you could cut it off. I mean, and they're saying this is controversial at age 12 or 13 or 14. How about like 21? Like 18 at the very earliest. But there's some late bloomers, man. You go back for your 10-year reunion, there are some late bloomers. I would say 21. This is your sex you're talking about. Like, what is the rush? It's the same thing with a vaccine. What is the rush like, there's no way, it, it goes back to the reinvention thing. It's very difficult to understand what you want to do for the rest of your life when you're 18, and then you grow, you're around for a decade or maybe two, and you realize, like, what you thought was your industry or your company or 
who knows, your spouse or whatever wasn't what you intended and you have to reinvent yourself. And it's painful to do, to do the Tim Wakefield. You could be at a seven and be one of the four, you know, he could he, he could have been one of the top 150 first basemen in America. And he was, he was double A. But instead, he tore it down, reinvented himself to become a pitcher and became one of the top 10 pitchers in the league when he was... With the Red Sox, I mean, it's Cy Young, Roger Clemens, and Tim Wakefield. So he was down and out, reinvented himself. Teddy used to spend all time, a lot of it, free time watching sports. Haven't watched the dribble of the NBA playoffs. And I don't know what's going on with the NFL draft. And that's not something you need to watch unless you're a fan of, like, flashy suits or crazy attire. Um, you can you can just see what the picks are, you know, later on that night and just save yourself all the hyperbole and highlights. But, dude, when I was into it, this was, I was probably nine or ten beers deep now. Um, so we're going to wrap it up before GarageBand freaks out. Uh, you have been tuned into episode 49. So we got a blockbuster, the biggest milestone one ever coming up, episode 50. Um, I got a special guest lined up. Get your popcorn ready, folks. So, Teddy Roosevelt Show, you can stream this on the mothership, teddyroosevelt.substack.com. It's on Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Apple Podcasts. And now, coming your way, it's soft launch. Just just exclusive to Teddy Roosevelt listeners. You can go to austintexastimes.com and see Teddy work on the website live. Please don't hack me. So I hope everyone's doing well. I will be back with a way less longer hiatus than this last one. I think it was three weeks from the 6th to the 24th. 304 days the Teddy Roosevelt Show has been in existence, and we are past the one-year mark from launching the Substack. So I just cannot thank you enough for taking the time to listen to the show, giving me feedback. Really appreciate it, y'all. Have a great rest of your Thursday. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.